It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for the weekend mailbag. So for that, we welcome in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Gus Tooney. He says, if the season doesn't go ahead or is cut short, does Gase keep his job or does this cat really have nine lives? Would love to play chess with you, Chris, with just a queen. See, now people are recognizing your Bobby Fisher-like skills, Chris. If the season's cut short or if it gets canceled, I don't see why Gase would get fired. He wouldn't have done anything to earn being fired. So, yeah, I think he would stay in that scenario. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially like if we just say, I mean, what are we talking about with the season getting canceled? If it gets canceled... By I was I was gonna say week fourteen, then I remember that's when they play the the Seahawks. So let's cancel it week fifteen. Uh, but you know they're two and twelve at that point, or two and eleven at that point. Then yeah, he's probably not coming back the next year. Uh, if it gets canceled after two or three games, he, it would have to be a horrendously bad two or three games uh, for him to get fired for that. Uh, so yeah. Michael Pallas has some questions. He says, would you consider using some of the draft capital the Jets just got to land Juju Smith-Schuster? I probably wouldn't, only because isn't Juju going to be a free agent? You could just pay him. Why waste draft capital to get him in a trade when it looks like the Steelers aren't going to franchise tag him and you can just go pay him as a free agent? If I felt like the Steelers were going to franchise tag him and that they weren't going to have a crack at him, that's a different story. But it seems like that's not going to be the case. So if they want Juju, they should just save up their pennies and go make a run at him as a free agent. I mean, I'd give up that third rounder for him to get him this year. I don't think that's what he was talking about. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm saying. I answered the question within the boundaries (laughs) of what was asked. So I'm not giving up either of those first two uh, uh, first round picks for Juju Smith-Schuster now. Uh, But I would give up that third. Um, you could talk me into giving up, you know, the Jets uh, second next year just to get him in for this season and for Sam Darnold. That for that reason alone, I would be willing to to do that because I agree with your uh, your thinking there. That's that is how you should generally normally do that. But again, I want weapons for Sam Darnold, and I want him as fast as possible. So I would do that to be able to get him. But I I. The the Steelers aren't trading them. Uh, the Steelers aren't getting rid of them now. They they have Big Ben at the end of their career. They're not looking to sell off parts. 
Michael also says, did the Jets attempt to get the kind of haul by actually shopping Adams as opposed to just fielding offers like at the deadline for 2020 and 2021 picks instead of holding off and delaying the process for a year? As of right now, if they didn't, that's my only bone of contention with this trade. Also, do you think they should have gotten the ball rolling earlier? Honestly, I think that Joe Douglas wasn't planning on trading him unless somebody just made him an awesome offer. I don't think it was a situation where he was going to actively shop him or go out and tell teams to come and call. I think he just said, look, if you're interested, give me a call and blow me away. Otherwise, he'll be here in September. Chris and I have talked about this a lot. Can't really fault Joe Douglas for the way he handled it because it's not like this is something that was planned. It just kind of happened. And then once it was out there, the Seahawks made this aggressive pitch. And Douglas is able to get a massive haul. So in the end, I think he played it pretty much the way he should have. Yeah, well, first I'll just say the the difference between shopping and listening to the offers is really thin. And a lot of times it's just semantics. But it's real, and it's also really kind of the same thing. I don't think Joe Douglas ever went into shopping mode. I think there was a point where, where they were listening to offers but then when those offers started increasing, especially with Jamal acting the way he acted, that there was probably a point where it was like the the other teams calling were like, oh, they might be willing to part with him more now. So like these these talks that we're just out there just ba- bouncing ideas off each other, that could be something more to it now. Um, but – I, I so I just think that probably increased people being like, all right, we could actually pry him which, away from the Jets, but we're gonna have to actually give up enough for it. And the idea of trading, um, you know, ideally it would have been great to be able to trade him at the trade di- deadline last year. You know, if, if you're trading him, why wouldn't you get it then? And then also, you could have used those draft picks for this year. And then you would have been able to have a normal year of evaluation for those draft picks. We have no idea what college football is going to look like, how the evaluation is going to look on some of these players. But they they didn't get this offer at that time. So would you have rather taken a lesser offer to be able to draft the guys for this year? I think Joe Douglas played it perfectly, though. I mean, obviously he couldn't have seen the pandemic um, coming. And then he – he didn't think that it would get this bad with Jamal. And I, I didn't either. I, I figured that he would just, you know, take the off season and calm down and come back. And then honestly, maybe the pandemic and Jamal being quarantined and sitting in his house by himself, maybe that just led to him ramping it up more. And maybe it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't doing that. <clears throat> but I, I, he, he played it perfectly because he didn't, he wasn't getting this offer during the trade deadline last year. If he did, he would have taken it then. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Gus Toon has another question. He says, do you think there are any other current Jets that could be traded this year? This is going to be a tough one to pull off because... In previous years, you might have said, hey, if there's a team that has a desperate needed defensive line, maybe they're willing to give up a late conditional pick for Henry Anderson, or maybe the Jets will want to trade Avery Williamson to clear off some space and get a late round pick. There are a couple of other guys you could talk about, but I think this year, a lot of teams just aren't going to want to be bringing in anybody that has any kind of money attached 
to their contract. So I think it makes it a lot tougher to see a trade like that happening. Maybe at the deadline, if the Jets are really bad and we see something similar to what they did with Leonard Williams last year, where there's a player that a team likes, maybe Marcus May as an example. Let's say the Jets are bad or Ashton Davis is playing really well and some team comes calling with a decent offer for Marcus May, maybe that happens. But as of now, I would say it's just very difficult to predict. I think it's far more likely, though, that you see some sort of move at the deadline than you do before the season starts, only because of all the uncertainty right now. Yeah, not anybody that's going to bring back anything that's going to get you super excited. Um, You know, sure, they're one of those quarterbacks to be traded for a late-round pick. Uh, You know, maybe uh, Kyle Phillips or Folo Fanakasi, Nathan Shepard or Henry Anderson, maybe someone would be uh, want, uh, you know, a a mid-to-late draft pick for one of those guys. Uh, You know, Avery Williamson, you said, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, there's not a lot there. So that, there's there's not going to be anybody that's going to bring you back something that's going to get you excited. Next question comes in from JP Waxer again. He says, please tell me this doesn't buy Gase another year due to a figurative rebuild year. I don't think so. I think Gase is going to be judged based on how Darnold does, how the offense does. And if he's changed as a leader and if he's grown and if he's become a better overall head coach, I think if he shows signs that he's improved in all those areas, he probably stays for year three. If not, I think he's out of here. I think it's as simple as that. I, yeah, I, I think that uh, everything about the pandemic is, will bail him out more than uh, people blaming Jamal not being here. Like, that's not going to really factor into it here. Um, I, I can see at the end of the season uh, the narrative developing that, oh, this was such a crazy season. You got to give him one more year. I, but I don't see people sitting there being like, oh, man, especially if the offense isn't good. Like, how are you going to sit there if the offense isn't any good? And, and sit there and be like, oh, I can't. You can't blame him. They had to trade Jamal Adams. He's the offensive guy. You can't turn the offense into anything good. So I, I think you'd be more likely to hear a narrative at the end of the year that, uh, oh, this is such a crazy year because because of everything going on. You, you got to give him one more year. I think that's more likely. Next up is Michael Christopher again. He says, I know it's early, but right now, if the Jets flop, Gase gets fired and they pick top five, if, say, Greg Rousseau, who we talked about from Miami, and Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle who we talked about from Oregon, Rousseau is obviously an edge rusher, are both on the board. Who do you go with? The stud pass rusher at 19 and a half sacks last year or the stud offensive tackle to pair with Becton to form dominant offensive tackle unit? There's so many questions to be answered. We don't know if there's going to be a college football season or if there is what it'll look like. If they do play, we have to see what happens with those two guys. Maybe Rousseau or Penny Sewell gets hurt. Maybe one of them takes a step back and their draft stock goes up or down. It's so hard to say. As of right now, I really can't give you a good answer because I haven't looked at Rousseau close enough. What I can tell you is I think Penny Sewell is awesome. I would love to see him as the other bookend tackle with Makai Becton. So I would be perfectly happy with him. But if Rousseau is really great, I would take a look at that and make a fair comparison between the two. As of right now, I'm just being honest. I can't give you a great answer because I haven't taken a close look at Rousseau. 
Yeah, I've I've watched both of them, and I love them both, but I haven't watched them enough and, like, actually gone and watched tape on them yet. So I'll give an answer here, but my answer will could very well change once I actually go and look at the tape on them. This answer is not uh, confirmed, but right now, if you told me I had to pick, I, I'm I'm going with the offensive lineman uh, to to help the offense to help uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I'm going with the offensive lineman. It would be really hard to turn down uh, Russo. But I'm I'm going with the offensive lineman there. But again, I reserve the right to change that opinion when I actually go and look at tape. Whether they play or not this year, I'm gonna go and look at plenty of tape of both of them, and then I'll have a more uh, accurate answer for you. Danny at CC716 asks a question that we already answered, but he also throws in, I know you guys love to talk about food. You should come to my hometown of Montreal for some great food when life is back to normal. I'm all in for that. I haven't been to Montreal in a really long time. I'd love to check out Montreal again. I would love to. I And not just would I love to, I might go there and stay there. Next question comes in from Tommy Griffin Kranz. He says, I keep hearing the Jets are cash strapped. Why is that? Is it true or are they just trying to be fiscally responsible? I have heard that from several people. Chris, you've said it. Manish has obviously said it. A couple of other people have jumped in on that. I don't know the specifics of why the Jets are cash strapped. That's really a question only the Johnsons can answer. As far as what it means for the team, it means that they're not going to be spending big money on anybody as of right now. When that changes, I have no idea. But I do think that the cash strap story is absolutely legitimate. It's a legitimate story. Uh, the the cash strap is, again, we're using words that we shouldn't be using. Billionaire owners of NFL teams aren't really cash strapped chris we don't know what their cash is tied up in we have no idea what's going on with the pandemic and all that so i can't really sit here and tell you what they have and what they don't available in terms of liquid cash i think that's really what the question is but i'm not going to sit here and speculate as to what the johnsons actually have on hand the point is the story is legitimate that regardless of whatever it is you think cash strap means they are saying that they're being very tight with money for whatever reason And that's the thing. I think they're choosing to be tight with Buddy this year, and I think it's a mixture combination of things. And uh, one of those things is the idea that Woody Johnson will be coming back. This is something that uh, sports owners do all the time. I mean, they they always go with the books to do this. Like they use this type of language, Um, and maybe they are. I don't know. They're like you said. I, I I certainly don't have a look at their liquid cash access. But I I just think it's more of this is the plan right now, more than it's not like uh, they couldn't scrape together money if they really wanted to for and if it made sense. But I think this is the plan right now is to not spend long-term money right now. Next question comes in from Say My Nameth. He says, do you think anything with the Adams situation was ever about how the team treated him? Remember, he took the Jets out of his social media bios before the trade deadline fiasco. Did he just always want out? I think he did. I talked about this on the podcast with Manish. 
I had heard the day of the deadline that Adams people were back channeling to try and get him to Dallas or to another team. You saw Ryan Clark go on television on ESPN and send smoke signals out to Dallas. And now Ian Rappaport has come out and reported that Jamal Adams was back channeling with Dallas players to try and get himself dealt there. I absolutely think that he wanted out. I think that he felt that he couldn't win here. And instead of staying here and trying to be the culture changer, the leader, the guy that was going to turn things around the way that he built himself, he decided that he wanted to take the easy way out and get out of here and go to a team that was going to win, which is why, of course, every single team on his list was a team that could be a Super Bowl contender. I think that was always what this was about. He wanted out. Now, would he have stayed if the Jets had paid him a ton of money? Yeah, I think he'd have stayed if the Jets paid him a ton of money. But I think that was the only way he was going to stay. Short of the Jets somehow having an amazing season this year if he had stayed and not been traded. And then maybe he would have been convinced that they were on the right track. But I think as of this moment, that was really what it was. Ever since the deadline or around the deadline last year, he decided he wanted out. And unless the Jets paid him a ton of money, he was going to try his best to get traded to a really good team. Uh, when the Rappaport uh, tweeted that out, I laughed because this was uh, this is a patented NFL team move uh, when they trade or release a player uh, to uh, to leak out uh, some little petty stuff to get the fan base on uh, their side and against the player. But it also happened to be true. <laughs> right, um, this right. time, it was definitely true. Right. And right. we've talked about this. We talked about it at the time. Um, the, the the thing about Jamal and how he went about this is, it, it, man, he was not subtle at all. No. Uh, the, the Ryan Clark, Clark stuff was uh, like so over the top and clear that like everything Ryan Clark was saying, he was talking to Jamal right before he said it. Like it, it was very coordinated. It was obvious. It was not subtle at all. Um, it was obvious it was. And he talked out the sides of both of his mouth. It, it was, it was very clear as day. It was, it, it was obvious. Um, so yeah, he he was trying to work his way out, um, and and he got his way. He didn't get his way to Dallas. Uh, I I do think it's it is funny though that another safety now in Seattle was trying to get his way to Dallas and didn't get his way to Dallas because <laughs> Earl Thomas. We spent three years talking about that, and then he ends up in Baltimore. Um, so it's kind of funny there. I I guess the the. Cowboys will never get that safety that they're dreaming of. Uh, but he he wanted out. He wanted out this whole time. This whole thing was coordinated effort by him. He tried to play himself as some type of victim in it the whole time and tried he gaslit everybody the whole entire time. Um, and again, he was not subtle about this. The, this was all very obviously coordinated. Next question comes in from Griff Kong. He says, does the questionable college season make it more attractive to trade for Yannick and Gakwe with any of the newly acquired draft picks? In theory, yes, but they're not going to spend the money to sign him, so no. Yeah, that, that's the problem. Uh, you're not trading. They're certainly not trading for Yannick uh, as a one-year rental. Because I, I, I think Yannick's so unhappy in Jacksonville that he would probably – 
accept a being traded and playing out uh, the his franchise tag. But the the Jets, why are the Jets doing that? Uh, that that's not going to make them a Super Bowl team here. So, um, and they're not giving out the long term money. So that's that's not going to happen. That's going to wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag. Make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.